Dative, Integrative and Preventive Healthcare. The content discussed in this episode is for informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And we're here to discuss lifestyle medicine. So today we are starting off our next series of episodes with, with a new intention. And we wanted to speak about how our day-to-day crisis and experiences affect our health. And to kick off our season, we want to start with relationships, like the romantic relationships, because that's a big part of all of our lives. And for that, we have Sunny Sakon, who is a love coach and author of the book, Awaken the Love Within, and also a singles event host that helps singles break out of negative habits and patterns in order to find them lasting love. Welcome, Sunny, to Dot of the Podcast. We are thrilled to have you and thrilled to have you as the first guest for the series. Um, thank you for being here. Yes, and thank you for that beautiful entrance as well. Um, it's such a powerful thing to be able to help people. And I love what both you two are doing on this amazing podcast where you're inspiring people's health. I remember when I first looked at my own relationship and I was in a suffering state. I was raised by a single parent and I never saw healthy habits of relationships working out. So when I found a partner, somebody that I truly wanted to be with, unfortunately, I was carrying them old patterns and behaviors into that relationship. And what was coming with that? was ill health, stress, my cortisol levels were beyond the roof because we was having so many arguments and fights constantly. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to focus on the things that I wanted in life, such as work or my goals or things that drove me. So I'll be choosing other obstacles like eating food, fast food, finding quick options. And that was really negatively impacting my health and what was going on inside of my body. And because of that, I was in a perpetual cycle where I was having poor health, tiredness. I actually had an underactive thyroid disease at the time because I kept choosing the wrong substances to cover up the pains that were going on inside, the emotions I wasn't connecting with. And it wasn't until I actually started to go with Tony Robbins in 2015, I started making some changes within the relationship that we had, started taking accountability for life, started creating a better relationship, and in turn now, it's um, truly helped us live in a passionate, loving state and ultimately have the better health and the sustainability to set up a business, to set up better health goals, to be able to be there for my family. Because when you're in a bad emotional state inside, everything else goes down. And this is why I'm so passionate about this area and so glad to be on this wellness show to be able to impact people and help people. Thanks, Sunny, for for this, because it truly speaks to what we are trying to do in this new series where we want to shed a light on how relationships, as you beautifully said, have an anchoring point and has a space in in our health and romantic or partnership. And then we'll go into more details of what it means, especially on in your perspective with having clients that are looking for love. What does that mean? And so to kick off our, our conversation, I want to share what was the process for us to actually come to you and a more personal story is that Tasha and I, we are in an age where, you know, these type of conversations become very much heated or very much prominent in our conversations with family members. So usually the second thing after they greet you is like, hi, how are you? Have you eaten? Maybe that's the second one. And the third one is like, when are you going to get married? <laughs> and so funnily enough, when we were, you know, looking for the subject of finding the right guest, Tasha, send me this link to an event and it is the singles event. And I was not sure if I 
I had to take it as an insult. And I was like, what are you trying to say here? Are you trying to say that I need to go this to, to this event? Oh, she's working on my side there. I love it. <laughs> and then I was like, um, what are you what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that this is an event that I should go to, or is this the a person that we should speak to? And so I could tell that I was very um maybe slightly defensive. And I was thinking, oh, that's something to like work on there. And so that's where we kind of connected with you and we wanted to discuss with you the topic that, you know, the centering question is, are you ready for marriage? Yes, 100%. And such a good question. I, I love how you said there was a bit of resistance coming up, which is something internal, right? Which is saying, where is that resistance coming from? And when we go back to that question of, are you ready for marriage? Then it actually comes up in that same way. Is it resistance because you're doing it for your mother, your father, for your parents or society, what everyone else is doing? Or is it actually because of a personal thing? Do you want to get married because you've been dreaming about this since four years old? And I know a lot of ladies have these beautiful ideas of the wedding and the wedding outfit and you go to a guy what did you dream about a wedding like, maybe some good food maybe some good <laughs> dancing right <laughs> but, yeah, our interpretation is completely different but I remember when I was marrying my wife and her interpretation was like she dreamt of it for so long every part of it she knew I had never had a clue like, for me <laughs> but it was part of the commitment within the relationship. So marriage, when would you know if you're ready for a marriage? When you decide, when you're ready for you, when it's your personal why, when you're saying, I am ready to declare it to the world, to God, to the universe. I am ready to take my relationships to the next level, to grow and to start a family, to start planning ahead. Not because my mum said that you would be doing good in the world if you get married or you'll be successful if you get married. No, actually, because I want to. As I was working with marriages, and this was about six years ago, I'll ask them the main question, why did you get into this marriage? Mm. And the ones that were failing, the ones that wasn't working out, would always say it was for someone else. And the mm. minute we give our power away to anyone, anything, if it is a mother, if it's a grandma, if it's family or society, alcohol, whatever that is, food, the minute we give our power away, we become powerless. And when we become powerless, we can't make change. And this is where that personal integrity has to come in. And that's almost a readiness for me. It's saying, I'm doing it for me. When we have that, that's when we can really get to that next level of a relationship and love. How do you find your voice in that process? Like, how do you know that that's your voice speaking versus your parents' voice? Because it's it's really hard to, like, sometimes even figure that out to come to that point. Yes, 100%, right. And I believe that went through my own journey. I was actually voiceless. I'm the youngest of a family. And... I had a very strong brother, very strong sister, a very, very alpha mother as well, right? So I was taking away my voice, which meant that I was almost just like flowing in life and doing things. But I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't have no idea of what I was doing it for. And in that, I felt almost powerless within. And you do have to become aware of yourself. You have to think, why am I just doing what I'm doing? Why am I a vegetarian? Why am I not drinking? Why am I doing X? Because once we become aware of why am I doing X, then we can start understanding the different parts of it. Yeah. And the minute you find that out and start answering your own questions of your own personal integrity, the reason why you do the things you're doing, just how you two ladies are doing this podcast, mm -hmm. the same reason why, that's when it becomes very powerful. So it's almost saying, are you following your own intuition? Are you yeah. following your own gut when you're getting married? Or is it because your mom's moaning at you or your auntie's moaning at you all the time? <laughs> 
as where we have to distinguish it. Yeah, I guess anyone who's going into a marriage really should be thinking about that then, right? Yeah. Like knowing which is your voice first. But what what were like the kind of common challenges when you saw these these uh, clients of yours? You know, they like how did that show up for for them? Yeah, so one of the biggest ways that it appears is actually blaming. So one of the things that I first notice is when we're actually finding out from a client and start working with them, and they're telling me the mother-in-law, and they're telling me the house. Oh, if we had a bigger house, all our problems would be solved. I think if you have a bigger house, you've got bigger mortgage bills, you've got bigger <laughs> responsibilities, actually, you're going to double right. your problems. Yeah. <laughs> then, then if we had more space, I'm like, what would you do in that space, right? It's about understanding what are we actually doing? I think mean, Buddha says it best. To solve the problems on the outside, we have to look within. And it's the same thing in every situation. So when we have a blame in the outside world, the mother-in-law, the, the husband, the house size, well, these are real factors. However, how we respond to them is a key thing. So when we're looking within, we can actually start going, let me be happy in the house that I currently have. Let me create as a space full of joy and love. And then we can get a bigger house, like, by all means. It's almost looking within and saying, what's making me unhappy? And that's one of the biggest challenges, though. It's blaming, giving that power away. And it's about saying, let's take accountability rather than saying, my husband or my wife is making me upset. My mother-in-law is making me upset. Because there's always going to be another mother, mother-in-law, problem, work, boss, house. There's always going to be another one of them things that comes into our way. However, saying, how do I respond to make sure it doesn't affect me to that higher level. And that's the biggest transformation that can make with any client is first some steps from going, passing on the power, playing powerless and pushing it onto other people to then take accountability. That says, I'm choosing to be happy within this relationship. Just talk about a personal experience. I remember at the start of my relationship with my wife, when we was carrying a lot of these toxic patterns, we'll come in and we'll meet and then we'll go on a date and we'll start blaming each other. And the reason why we're blaming is it was a bit of a survival response. She um, had a bad upbringing as well. Her father wasn't around and actually he used to use drugs. So he actually chose to give his power away to something else, which made her have toxic patterns similar to myself. And my father was an abuser. So he used to physically abuse my mum, and he never had no control of his emotions either. And because of that, we actually had a couple of these bad habits within us as well, where we we're blaming other things because it was so easy for us to blame. So we'll go out on a date where food wouldn't be good. She'll blame me for the restaurant food. So it's your fault. Well, you chose this place. Like, <laughs> it's his fault for making the food really bad, right? And we'll get this a cycle of blaming other things and arguing and fighting over these things. And then we decided one day, let's stop that. Let's stop trying to be right and let's actually just choose to spend this evening in love. It's not your fault. The food's nasty. It's not my fault. But at least we got to spend that evening together and actually enjoy ourselves. And I think if we put that into relationships, married relationships, couples going out, they started to choose to be in love rather than pushing on the responsibility of fighting or trying to be right within the situation. Then a lot of relationships would actually go to a better level. Yeah, and I think that... It goes back to what you were saying in the very beginning is your intuition, knowing yourself. And so that when you are triggered or when you go into this blaming game, and so if you have that knowledge of the self-understanding, it is easier to pick yourself back. If we take a step back on the concept of marriage, let's define what it is. But what is it to be married? What, what does it really mean, marriage? Well, how would you define marriage? 
It's a very good question. <laughs> it's a difficult one. Big one. <laughs> so it's based on um, personal perception, really. Some people are against marriage. Some people are for it. Culturally, as South Asians, we are very for marriage. It shows stability. It shows strength. One of our basic needs that we have as humans is a need for safety and certainty. And as we progress within relationships, and this is why I really like boundaries, actually. Marriage is like a boundary. And when we're in a relationship, if you're just seeing each other and there's no clear boundaries, like, are we exclusive? Are we dating other people? Where is the relationship heading to? When there's no clear boundaries, there's a lot of chaos. Your brain is thinking. That survival part of us is thinking, what are they doing? Are they with another woman? Is she with another guy? And because of that, we start to get a bit scared and we act up, we dramatize situations for attention. We do all these factors. But when you go into a relationship and you go, no, we're exclusive. We're not going to talk to anyone else. We set a clear boundary. And then that survival part of us starts to reduce. And then we can start being more loving within the relationship. Then as we progress, we start saying, look, you're the one for me. I want to get engaged to you, which is further progressing the relationship of showing the intent behind it showing i want this relationship to work on the long run i want to meet my family so then that person's like oh my god i'm going to invest even more into this relationship i'm going to be more i want to start seeing that future together and then when you start getting to a marriage you start planning how the next stages will be maybe it's the family the family holidays you start getting excited about a whole new element of relationships where for some people it doesn't have to be that way some people just enjoy a relationship and they go all in for, straight from the start. I think it's also personal preference to how you want things to be. And within our culture, I believe it is a norm to be married. And I tell you personally, and that's all I could probably answer for with this. Personally, it's a deeper commitment to one another, a deeper bond to say, I am in this for the long run, to further emphasize the commitment that you have for each other. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it means that we're not walking away from a relationship straight away. It means that we're not running away from a relationship when things get tough. Instead, we made a commitment to one another. Uh, I'm from the Sikh background. I remember on the wedding day, we're in the temple and we're walking around the Gurbani and we're going around. On the fourth time, I swear to you, all of my memories of me like partying, going out, all that flashed in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Really? <laughs> this is what you're going to lose. There's a moment I'm walking past and I'm like, is all of that going now? Is that <laughs> all gone? <laughs> I was like, is this a proper commitment now? Like, Because we're further enhancing it. The families have come together, everything. And it's almost like depth of the man that I became. Mm. Personally, I became such an incredible person when I got married. I actually, my life transformed because I took on a new family. A new maturity came out of me. And also I had the blessing of a new family that came into my life. Mm. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made personally. You talk about commitment and, and this moment, this revelation or this epiphany. I don't know how you want to call it. <laughs> um, but, but definitely it's this moment where you're like, there's no turning back, right? Mm. This is now or never and kind of thing. It's interesting that you talk about commitment because I think marriage or long-term relationships are about commitment and having two souls come together and say like, yeah, I'm committed to you. Um, 
And I think that our current society and this generation, being millennials and Gen Zs, is commitment becomes a bit harder. I I feel maybe it's this is maybe just my sense or the Agreed. environment. Agreed with you. Yes. <laughs> and so I I think it's also coming from a a generation that has it easy in the sense of you have access to the next best uh, person through a click or a swipe. Yes. Um, and so. What has been your observation with regards to commitment and how people approach it? Um, is it harder? Are they are we more pickier? Because if you look at our parents, for example, my parents have come from like an arranged marriage where you're not like, listen, it's time for you to get married. Uh, these are few people that we've some family members <laughs> that, you know, so let's meet them. If you connect, then that's great. If you don't, then OK, next uh, next person It's like kind of the. Uh, an old version of <laughs> of, <laughs> yes. of Tinder and and all the dating apps, <laughs> yeah, but with like more control and and more filters. filters you, have parents, yeah. you have parents filters and you have yeah. horoscope filters and it. background checks from other family members. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So what what is your observation around commitment with the current generation that is looking for love? Yes, 100%. You're right there. We have to just look at some simple behaviors and see how they manifest in long-term relationships. Uh, when we look at the use of TikTok, if you're bored of a video, you flick up so fast. Mm. Um, within our time frame, actually, the study was done that says that our brain now can only focus for six seconds on average, mm. which is crazy. Before it was around 16 seconds. Now we've reduced six seconds because of stuff like um, TikTok. But also, even Netflix, when we look at their simple behaviors, when I remember back in the day when it was only five channels that we had on the television, we have to watch one of them programs. Even if it's mediocre, you still commit to that program. That's and it's almost strengthening the commitments that we make. Now you're on Netflix, you're 10 minutes in, the movie's boring you, you're out of there. And our simple habits actually manifest into our bigger habits. So when we're in a relationship and it's not going the way that we want it to go, we also think the same thing. Let me flick out of this. Let me just move on faster. And these are habits that are created within our culture nowadays, in our modern society of just getting what we want really fast, like instant gratification. And this is where we have to go deeper within, right? It almost ties back into that personal integrity of why we're doing what we're doing. And it's almost looking at it from a longer perspective, like going, is this woman or is this guy going to be the person that I want to grow up with? And understanding that it's not the one, right? Everyone's searching for this illusion of the one. There are no ones. Because that's a false perception of saying that we're actually ready-made. There are no ones. So we have to almost break out that mindset. That goes, let me grow with this person. Let me develop with this person. Let me see how we get through this hardship. Let's enjoy getting through hardship. Because when we start actually enjoying the process of getting through hardship and saying, you know what, this is strengthening our relationship then we're not ready to run away as fast. We're actually ready to commit even deeper. So exactly right. And culture and society is almost moving us away. And also we've got to think about COVID. COVID impeded a lot of fear within everyone in the world. What happens when you're in fear? You have a flight or fight. They're the two right. triggers that we have. Or freeze. Or freeze, yeah. You stay stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you stay there. Exactly, exactly. And when in a relationship, if you're in fear, what are you going to do? You have a fight with that partner or you actually freeze and you hold on. So you have somebody that becomes nervous and needy. And the other person that's trying to run away. 
And these actually quite start creating these bad habits of relationships. And I can see it a lot more out there in the world. It's because we're scared. A lot of fear. But if we just choose to trust, to love, to be open, to be vulnerable, to be yeah. open to love, to allow ourselves to experience and realize that we can't truly be hurt, then we start opening up to a better way of life. And in that process, that's where you start meeting somebody that could be your soulmate. When I first met my wife, I never thought she would be my soulmate, I'll be honest. But then when I look back in time now, I go, whoa, this girl must be my soulmate because so many things aligned, but you can't see the future. Right. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially like when you think about what does it mean to be like a match, a good match. As you were saying, you met your your wife and you then as you go through the process of building that relationship, it's kind of the destination versus the, the journey. And yes. it's the journey that we need to enjoy and nurture. Not everyone sees marriage like that. Some see it as, a, you know, if we look at our culture where they say, you know, it's time for you to get married because it's time for you to have children. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Because for women, for example, it, it is a real thing where we need to, after a certain age, there's so many women that are thinking okay do i have to freeze my eggs because am yes. i ready to to for commitment am i um is the person with who i am is ready for commitment so there's so many different things and of now technology um to be able to enable us to make different choices that our parents had to do but um i wonder how like the dating scene or, or marriage for women versus men, their experience of a woman finding a, a partner versus a man finding a partner, do they experience the same type of pressures and stresses uh, as they, they find their life partners? Yes. So both of them actually do experience the same pressures. It's just how we respond. And the male, exactly what you said, and I really love what you highlighted there about the female. Yeah, we do have tools like egg freezing now. It's such a beautiful tool that we can use to relieve that pressure. And because that pressure, whenever you're putting pressure into anything, it's not going to get the result that you want, the highest level of result. So instead of having the pressure of, oh, I need to have a child before X, Y, and Z, before I can't have a child anymore, and that's putting you back into survival, putting you back into a state where you can't create a beautiful life. Instead, you're going to create a lot of stress and pressure within the relationship. And ultimately, this is going to create a negative outcome. Even I've heard so many times about relationships that are going so well, really, really well. She's my best friend. Everything was good. And then something happened. That person actually got some pressure from their family and started thinking about the outcome. Are we getting married? And then instead of just thinking about it once, she thought about it every single day. And it's instead of that, <laughs> it's a lot, right? And I'm sure it's the same the other way around. And Instead of feeling that loving enjoyment for the relationship, instead it's, oh, we get married every day. Uh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can cope with this kind of pressure. And whenever that's put into something, they start to re-decide. There are studies that show that masculine males are a bit more avoidant than females, right? So there are studies that do support that in what you're saying there. And I'll just touch on to the avoiding and the anxious attachment style, and we'll be able to relay that back into the male and feminine. And then we can see how this pressure can actually help us in a way and how it's um, hurting us. So the avoiding attachment style is somebody that's been hurt from a young age 
And what they do is they build up a defense between their heart and they stop it and they become very successful. They focus on areas of life that they can measure and get a result from. Okay, so normally you see them quite successful. The anxious attachment style is somebody that wasn't really given the love that they needed from a young age. And then because of that, they crave love and they get very smart with getting the attention of love. Studies do show that there are more anxious females out there, okay, than there are males. And the male side of it could be more avoidant. It's not like proven exactly, but studies show that there is a, a disproportion with the ratios. So if we used to use that analogy within this, then a way that the male feels pressure is to actually avoid and become workaholics. Where a female feels pressure is actually to become a bit more needy, just based on that. However, you do get many male anxious people, you get many female avoiding people, okay? So this is old studies that were done in the past. Now we're very level-headed, so we're at the same behaviors. What we have to highlight is when a male is making a decision compared to a female, a male makes a decision quite fast. He makes a decision on the looks, the image, because we're visual beings. A female makes a decision on many, many categories. Are you going to provide? Are you going to support me? Are you going to be there for me? Uh, is my kids going to look like you? Are my kids going to be six foot two? Oh my <laughs> a female has all of these decisions. And this will actually add some value to all the listeners out here is that actually when a female goes into a masculine stand, which is what we're seeing quite a lot of, they're trying to make a decision through logic. And now using that decision through logic, they're actually preventing themselves from finding love because their heart is still that feminine inside. And that emotion they're blocked, so they're not allowing it to come into the relationship. And because of that, they're trying to make a quick tick box exercise. Do you tick on my list? Do you do this? Do you do that? But that's logical thinking. Where when a real beauty of a relationship comes in with a feminine is when they actually allow themselves to feel, to surrender, to bring in that beautiful relationship. And then from a male, they're used to using logic and actually it normally counters quite well the masculine, the feminine energy. And we see this in heterosexual relationships as well as homosexual relationships. In homosexual relationships, we see a polarity of masculine energy and also feminine energy because it's needed for a happy relationship to work. In terms of the pressure, I'm going to have to just say it's equal and I can't give you a, a solid answer on that. But that's the best I can do in terms of their traits and behaviours. I hope that helps. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, but you like because you're providing like a very good summary, right, for us to to see. And I'm gonna just play devil's advocate, <laughs> or or just probe on this. But from the health perspective, it feels like okay, this is like the the ideal outcome at the end of it, where you know you realize all of this, and this is what the the masculine side of uh you, I guess, is simmered down. If you're a female, and then you you tap into your feminine energy, and that that helps you. But in that process, there's so much like turmoil that that happens. How do you even like recognize that this is the 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 issue at hand? Uh, and then I that's that I need to tap into like my feminine side versus like letting go of my masculine side. Very beautiful, very good question. And the way that we do that, because you know, there's males that are naturally more feminine, and there's females that are naturally more masculine. That's cool way we do it is we have to figure out what are we like at our core when we're completely free or when we were children. 
when you were a child, was you just running around freely and was you in that feminine, nurturing way? Or was you actually this little tough boy running around as a young child? It's about saying, what would you do if you felt completely safe? How would you behave when you're feeling safe and there's no worry, there's no danger alerts? And normally when you think back to that childhood, you look back at yourself. What was that? What was we at our core? How was we showing up at our core level of behavior? And, you know, just some traits on the masculine energy. It's normally a little bit more closed off, a little bit more quieter, a little bit more protective, right? Stronger in their approach and more decisive a leader. So if that's how we was at our core as childhood, then you may resonate more with the masculine energy. If at your core, you're more feminine, free-flowing, and life didn't matter and very nurturing naturally at your core when you were young, then that's something that you'll create. And that's what we want to get back into. So we want to find out, have we put on a mask to cover up any of these behaviors, you know, because of work, society, fear, um, heartbreak, pain, trauma, and figure out how do we get back into that side? Right. So I guess a lot of work has to be done individually um, on our own before we can, I guess, come to a situation or a circumstance where we are trying to connect with a partner, right? Because I would think that if you were trying to navigate this whilst, like, you know, in the dating scene, it can be so confusing. And I think that's exactly kind of the the cycle I've been in because when I'm in the dating scene, I'm realizing that and then I'm trying to, like, uh, pull back on my masculinity and then be more feminine. But then it's like mixed signals, I feel. That's what's, mm. that's what's like happening in reality, right? And then I have to step away and say like, okay, I need a break. I need to like distance myself from this <laughs> and, and figure out how to to like present myself so that it's it's showing like all parts of me. But also it this is the confusing part, right? The dating, this is where you have to like apply it. <laughs> yes. Well, whenever we hit stress, we actually get triggered into the opposite um, sexual energy. So it's about understanding when am I in stress? Am I in that fear emotion or am I not? And then I always do this process where with all my actual married couples, as well as my own relationship, it's about just having a little bit of time in between. If I just come back from work and it's been very stressful, it's about having five minutes and just connecting again, just going back into a good space where I can forget about everything else. I can come back into the relationship. And when we give ourselves even a couple of minutes just to go back into how we want to show up or how we are and let go of that stress, that's when we start creating a better side of us. I think the best thing that I teach with this, and I actually do a lot of subconscious work, the best thing I would do with it is helping you realize that masculine stance and that feminine stance within us is actually to serve you at the same level. It's only there to protect you and to help you find a better life and more love and more joy. And when we realize that, it's not about saying, oh, masculine today, oh God, or feminine, acting like that. It's about saying, no, <laughs> hold on. Both sides are actually trying to look after me. Both sides are here to protect me, to help me find love and be happier. How can I integrate it, like you said? How can I bring them together? And how can I now allow space for this mm. relationship to grow? And the faster we become aware of it, about when we're out of our natural core energy. You know, you, you're you a very feminine energy you are, uh, Tasha. When you're out of that and you become more closed up, 
you become a bit more argumentative and you want to be right all the time. You need to say, <laughs> okay, come on, Hash. I think my whole family would agree with you. <laughs> would agree uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that there's another bit that like vulnerability for you to be able to be okay to be vulnerable requires some level of, you know, self-awareness and, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, be vulnerable and be able to open up and discuss with, um, with my, the, communicate with my partner and, and whoever you're trying to get to know. What I, I find uh, kind of counterintuitive with our current society is that um, when you're in the very beginning of a relationship before, you know, you, you're getting to know each other and, and there's this entire communication that needs to be built and there's so many things, like especially when it comes from like uh, I'm I'm giving quotes to love marriage, which is versus you know an arranged marriage for the South uh, the South Asian community. Um, when you're in a love marriage, there's so much that you that you need to assess, right? There's like whether the family comes from, where he's coming yes. from, or she's coming from, and uh, what is the baggage that they're bringing, and that's that requires a lot of vulnerability in that communication, and. I feel that um, when you go that route, which is a love marriage, our current society is not very welcoming or encouraging of a behavior of being vulnerable because you have to act tough. You have to, uh, there's yeah. like codes of communication. Don't, don't text <laughs> after, you know, don't, don't show that yeah. you're exactly. Don't show you're too interested because <laughs> otherwise blah, blah, blah. So how do you, how do you advise people with regards to that when, when they start getting to know someone with regards to the level of communication, the frequency, because there seems to be an unwritten code of how to actually communicate um, with people, uh, like in, especially in the courtship uh, yes. phase. Yes. Uh, good question, actually. And the most simplest way I can explain it is to actually match him ever. So if the person that you're communicating with is a fast reply, then you can do that back. And it's a very good matching and mirroring tool. Matching and mirroring has been uh, known within NLP, also used within negotiations, where like if you use similar words, similar stance, physiology, it gains instant rapport with the person. Because what we like is two things. I like people like me, or I like people that how I want to be. So it's simple things, either like how I want to be or someone that's like me. So when somebody is matching you with communication, it becomes so familiar that it becomes easy. You take two hours to message back, Gunny, and then I take two hours, and you're like, oh, he's busy like me. <laughs> so we start becoming familiar with each other's ah, world. That's so true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For me too. I'm not this from Gunny. <laughs> For you as Artash, yeah? yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> you're like, oh, you're, you're busy. I'm busy. Oh, nice. I like this. But if you message after two hours because you're doing so many wonderful things and they message instantly, your brain's thinking, don't you work? Don't you? <laughs> Aren't you oh doing God. something all the time? Oh <laughs> or maybe the person is like genuinely interested in you and See, just wants and to get, is eager to get to know you. And I have exactly, this voice in my head that's too. And that's, that's exactly why, right? And because it is true. Uh, he's easily he's probably eager to get to know you he knows how much of a gem you are and he's like come on I want to connect with you I want to communicate as much as possible with you I want to get to know you which is true and then this way that matching and mirroring I advise initially and then create a boundary 
like, oh, you know what? I really enjoy when I'm getting to know somebody to message every evening. I really enjoy a nice five minute phone call every night. Just saying what we like. A lot of people are focused on what they don't like. Oh, I hate it when you don't message me back. Or I hate it when you message me early. So I'm just saying what I want is I want a five minute conversation every night. And I'll get to you. Yeah, that's fine. I, I enjoy that too. And then we start getting to a habit and we start creating less chaos. And we start creating our boundaries so that we can have a more harmonious, more beautiful relationship. And we can focus on better things within the relationship. Focus on that first date, the next date. We can focus on doing more adventurous stuff rather than thinking, how often shall I text this person? Or how mm. often shall I call? <laughs> right. Yeah, like um, I like what you're saying with regards to creating and setting standards or boundaries like it as you want to like see it. Um, because I think mirroring is okay to a certain extent, but then after you're still like kind of playing a game and you're not being yourself. I I have this issue of like, oh, I don't, I'm always afraid to sh- be, to appear as too keen. And sometimes I'm genuinely not keen. And so it, it's transferable. <laughs> and, and so per- like the person will be thinking, oh, maybe she's playing hard to get. So I'm very genuine with regards to like what you see is what you get. Nice. Some women are, there's this whole thing of, you know, playing a game, playing hard to get, because that's, again, another perception of what dating is and how um, um, the expectation of men towards women as well. Yeah. How do how, what do you say that to to someone, to men that I was like, oh, that was too easy. And to <laughs> add to that, how do you know when that person is, you know, uh, not on the same page as you? So actually, this is where it gets really, really interesting. It's about what stage of life are they at? Are they a young male or a mature male? And are they a young female or a mature female? And the reason why is for a young female, they just love to be teased. They love a guy to play hard to get. They love it when the guy's not making too much effort within the relationship. However, with um, society pressures within our culture, past the age of like 29 to 30, they start feeling pressure. Now their perception of what they want in a partner completely changes. Instead of the person that's not available, that moves away, that isn't showing that commitment, instead, they want somebody that can now satisfy the needs of the family, can be there within a relationship where they can see the potential of marriage. So now their understanding of the life completely changes. And this is where we have to put our own interpretation and understand are they mature or young female? Same with males. So... From a young male, they love chasing. We've been taught up as a masculine energy to chase, to be number one, to chase, to compete, to fight. So we also enjoy that within relationships. When we get to know somebody, we want to chase because there's a survival part of us. Because if it's so easy to get your number and to get take you out on a date, how many other people have you been on a date with, right? That part of us is saying, you must do this all the time. However, when we chase and we earn your love when we gain your love when we say oh we're going to take you to the best restaurant we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to surprise you we feel like we've earned it and then we think oh you must not be with many other people because i had to put a lot of work into that young male mindset all right this is how it works and then the mature male that's been rejected too many times that's had too much of this heartbreak that mum's getting to him. He's just like, now I'm ready for a bloody relationship, right? I'm going to be honest and I'm going to just say it how it is. <laughs> and this mature male is just like, 
I don't want to play games. Let's just go out on a date and we'll see if we want to get married at such a year. <laughs> I wish they were like, that easy. I wish, I mean, I wish they were that clear, not easy. <laughs> and then within your relationship time now, I believe you've gone into more of a mature of a female now where you're ready for that next level. You're ready for more commitment and your understanding of a relationship's changed because you would rather focus on helping, making change in the world and putting your time into this. Now you're in a mature state which means that you actually want that mature of a man that's ready for that. Uh, rather than saying, let's just have fun in a relationship and we'll go on these dates and we'll have random arguments. And then you put it out there, you know, you say you put it out to the male that I'm ready for a mature of a male or somebody that's honest and know what knows what he wants. And when mm. you say that to a male, somebody that's always competed and wants to get the best thing that he can get, he's going to show up. I am that guy, Tasha. <laughs> no, but I'm like, to be to honest, I, I think if you... um if you challenge a guy and and ask him do you know what you want um and if he's able to answer like you know you're dealing with a mature guy and if he said and he like flakes or you know tried to avoid the the answer you know he's in his young young male um because that that has happened and it's not about age really uh, it's really not about age because you yeah. can have really immature old men yes. and you can have Yes. very uh, mature young young men and vice versa for women and um so kind of building up on you know finding someone who's mature or you know ready for marriage or something committed um there are different ways to go about this and i think that your line of work is is there for that to help people find somebody who's ready to to build that with there's you know your friend meeting dating apps and then there's actual like kind of agents like for example uh, uh auntie seema from mumbai uh, from yes. mumbai yeah <laughs> you have them and then you have arranged marriage from your parents that network especially in in like a south asian culture where arranged marriage versus love marriage is is something that is common i can understand why sometimes going through an arranged marriage is easier than a love marriage when i see i look at my parents and they went through it again. It was not perfect, but they went through this initial filter of your parents being okay. Second, the potential groom and 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 uh, bride are okay. Like are in the sense of unspoken thing where we're like, okay, if they are together, is that they are trying to make it on the long run. So that's the second filter that is kind of out of the way. Versus when it's a love marriage, it could just disappear in in one go. Um, because it requires another level of skill set to be able to build this with with someone. What is your experience in, you know, when you're facilitating those those uh, unions coming together? What are some of the things you ask them to check in with with the person, um, so that they don't end up maybe heartbroken or deceived? So actually, based on their human needs, so we have, must know what our human needs are. There's six like, drivers. There's one, which is a need of certainty, which is the person that will do the same thing every day. They, they go to work, they have the same sandwich every single day, and they love it. That, that is just life for them. There's a need of uncertainty. They go to work, and they want to change jobs and do different positions all the time. They want to always try that variety of life. The third need is the need of um, importance, to feel important within their life. A fourth need is the need of love, of family. So the most important thing to them is being around family members. 
uh, these next two needs are the spiritual needs. One is of growth to continuously want to be better and learn. And the last one is to give back and contribute to the world. This is where I get a lot of success within relationships and helping people come together is when you put two to people together that like certainty, they can form a long-term relationship because their needs are driven at the same level. So I'm so grateful that me and my wife, we both love growth. So if we have a challenge within the relationship, if we have any obstacles in life, and most importantly, when I go back downstairs after a big shift of work, she's there telling me about a book that she read. And that lights me up because I'm like, oh, I've been reading as well. Tell me more about that. And I will share about something that's come up in my day. And because of that need for growth, we are both growing and we both always enjoy the conversation. So I would say, look at what your needs are, what drives you in life. And then you want somebody that has a similar need system to that. If you always like adventure, you really want somebody that's adventurous. Because then you can always meet each other's needs throughout the arguments, throughout the little debates and everything else everything else that comes up in life you can say you love adventure I love adventure let's go hiking for the day and you go hiking and your relationship will be beautiful because it's a human need that drives you the second thing is with arranged marriages the way that was so much easier back in the day and before was because of the standard of life that we accepted and we would tolerate a marriage that didn't work out just because of family, reputation, village, society, again, we'll tolerate that. However, we are a whole new society right now. We are not tolerating jobs that don't serve us. We are not tolerating movies that we don't enjoy. We're not tolerating many things that we don't enjoy anymore. So this is where just jumping into an arranged marriage and staying in it is going to be more difficult now than what it was in the past because now we have more options available. That person in India, in the village, they never had many options available before. And options makes you have a choice. Do I wanna stick in this bad relationship or not? Everyone else in the village is already married. So you're like, there's no one else free. I'm gonna stick it, I'm gonna make this work. Now, we got the internet, we're back on Tinder. We're talking to somebody five miles away or 10 miles away and we're like, okay, well, there's another option. That's available there. And it's about saying, what can we do with our internal needs? How can we get to know what drives us? And if we match on that, if we align on that, and if we align for the vision, continuously update that. And then how do we get through challenges? Do we get through challenges with arguments and then having an argument, which is fine, but keeping hold of that argument? Are we going to hold on to it and make that person suffer for how long afterwards? Or are we going to get through that argument and then it's done? I'm going to forgive you, we're going to move forward, and we're going to set a new tolerance, a new boundary, a new communication level that says, this ain't going to happen again. So we can actually design that mindset of saying, okay, let's give this a proper shot. Let's commit to this relationship. Let's say we have the same vision. We want to get married in 24 months. Let's give it a shot. Let's go all in. And we commit for the next six months to really give it all our heart, everything that we got. And if anything does come up, we'll work through it. But if we're unhappy, then let's call it off. It's almost going on that. It's not about saying that a relationship failed. It's saying that relationship was a learning. That relationship helped me understand that I don't want somebody that doesn't have clear boundaries in their life. I don't want somebody that is disrespectful. I don't want somebody that would cheat. And 
there's a reason why these people are coming up into our life. I almost have to accept that, that there's some kind of habit, there's something we're putting out there, which is attracting them. And when we learn from that, then we get the best gift for life. We get to develop and become more. Yeah, I love it. Um, I experienced actually something quite similar. And interestingly, I was attracting <laughs> quite a bit of guys that were not ready to commit. And again, I started shifting my mindset instead of blaming the guys and say, why is it that, you know, I'm I'm doing this? Why is it that I'm attracting that this type of behaviors and I'm tolerating this type of behaviors? And yes. then um, actually one day, my mom was like, we're getting restless. You need to get married, la, la, la. Um, here are some some potential suitors, according to the horoscope you guys met. <laughs> Why don't you meet this guy? And and I so she showed me a picture and I said, well, he's all right. But that doesn't mean anything, right? And horoscope, what does that really mean as well? So I just left it off. And apparently on the other side, there was interest as well. So he made the effort to come and visit me. That was, I think, the first time in a long time where there was somebody who mutually wanted to commit or want was looking for something long term. And hence why I kind of was grateful for like this arrangement from the family, because it brought mm. like a conducive and, and maybe healthy base for a conversation about uh, marriage. And we went into very, very vulnerable questions and very open you know, straight to the point, we went into like, what is it that we really want in life? And this topic started after I, I had met this this guy is because he actually asked me, what are you afraid of in marriage? And I was thinking, I would never think that I would have this type of conversation with somebody who um, who came through, you know, arranged marriage. Um, yeah. You would be um, the one asking that question usually. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and at the end, it didn't work out, but we came to a point like that conversation was meant to happen because it then like made me realize realize that first of all I deserve somebody who prioritizes if I prioritize it as well so it's like a it's an echo yes and um once I invite that 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 can happen and if you have candid open conversations um it can bring you to like get to know what you really want and what you're not going to tolerate. And so when he asked me that question, it was the first time I had actually asked myself that. So actually, why am I so afraid of this thing? And is it commitment, et cetera? And, and I had to do that work. And it's thanks to him that I was now today, I know what I will tolerate or not tolerate. So um, I think that having these insightful conversations are so so important to actually ramify and, and get to a, a very crisp understanding of what you're what you want and what you don't want because it, it for me it was a shift a, a proper shift um i'm done with these borderline disrespectful behaviors good well, well that's amazing right and i love these stories about somebody introducing someone because remember we are just humans and we're all just souls and like say i have an amazing conversation with you now and hopefully you're there February 4th if um, travel permits. And then I meet somebody that has similar outlook to you of the world or that juice and that growth. I introduce you both then. It's very beautiful because it is literally two people just coming together and just meeting. Right? That's what Tinder is doing. That's what humans are doing. That's all what we're trying to do is find their commonalities and come together. And I really love that story. One thing that normally happens when we do have that fear of that commitment is that hurt. 
is holding on to that hurt. Hurt can serve us sometimes. It can help us drive and work in other areas. But we have to really look back and look at the timeline of that hurt and see when did it first start and trying to look for a pen. So we must look back on the timeline. Say if we're at this point here and we're at the tip, this is our present now. We must go back and go, when did that hurt happen around love in my heart? And mm. from there, we need to send some healing to it take some lessons from it. What are the positive lessons I could take from that? It made me stronger. It made me more resilient. It made me speak up for myself because maybe before this hurt, we never used to speak up for ourselves. So this hurt at this moment here taught me to become stronger. And all these years I've been experiencing this hurt because I've become stronger, more resilient, speaking up for myself, building my character. Mm. And now it's saying, I'm ready to let that hurt go now because I got all the lessons and teachings from it. And now I've become this new person. And that's when we start bringing in that love. I'm open to love. I'm open to it because nothing can really hurt us. It was the experience in the past that we believe hurt us. But that was when it was too much emotion and it had a emotional pain on us. We have to remind ourselves we're still breathing. We're still alive. We're still safe. We are okay being where we're being. Even if we did open our heart up to somebody and truly love them but then they walked away from my life. It's not really going to hurt you. The, the thought of it, the illusion that I could have married this person, that's when the suffering comes into it. Think, oh, he ticked all the boxes. She was just like that. She was perfect for my family. That's the illusion of it. Again, I go back to Buddha. Let's let go of attachments. I struggled with that so much. I was like, well, what the hell do you mean let go of attachments? I do not understand. Like, i got to let go of my family but let go of the people that I love to be on this enlightened path. I like, I don't know if that's right. I really struggled with it, which means I had to question it a lot. And as I questioned it, I found answers. It's letting go of the attachment of the relationship, the outcome, and enjoying that journey, which we said before. So it's instead of saying, oh, this relationship must become a marriage, or it must be all love, it's actually saying, I'm going to enjoy this relationship. If you show me signs that you're not the right one, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Right. It doesn't mean that I have to marry you. That's fine with me. I'm enjoying my life. I'm creating the best life. If you want to be part of this journey, come be part of it. If you don't, then that's fine. Yeah, because there's a learning outcome for everyone at, at that stage as well. Yeah, I, I also kind of echo this. Like, What do you mean by let go of attachment? Because then it means that I can go and become a nun or <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, you know, live my life without it being attached to anyone with regards to relationships. But no, yeah, it's, as you said, it's about letting go of the expectations of the outcome of the relationship and letting go of, um, but of course, having that direction of what you want for yourself, having those standards and those barriers, but comes and teach you something else, go with the flow and 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 detach from the, the actual how or why it's supposed to happen or the why we met that person. Yes. And then that's where the suffering starts. Cause then you go, okay, fine. You left my life. You wasn't meant to be the one creating my future life or being part of my future life with me. Yeah. Not holding on to the fact that you were six foot two. You <laughs> smoked great. You had a good job. My mom would have loved you. We're <laughs> not holding on to that. <laughs> And I think that's what, like, what you were pointing out earlier, Guni, about like the arranged marriages versus love marriages or normal marriages. The 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 key difference in my mind is like it, when you go into an arranged marriage, there's like a level of 
as you said, like commitment and understanding that, you know, we are deciding to be here. And so we're going to figure this out together. But in a love marriage, you're like kind of doing all this background checking and then you're taking full ownership of that entire process and for the future as well. And so there's a lot of expectations that are placed onto something. Like I can think of all the the, the bad breakups I had. It's like, it's the, the inability to f- fulfill all those future dreams that you had together that actually hurts more than actually the breakup that occurred. Like that's, once that's done, you're just like, okay, there's already an event that's passed, but you hold on to like what could have happened and and that's the painful part. And I think that's also from like my interpretation of a lot of the reasons why love marriages don't work out. It's like when your expectations are not fulfilled and, and then it just ends up in this this weird space and you're like, okay, then all this hurt exists, right? Mm-hmm. And I think also like what when you explain all this, I feel like it's quite spiritual in a lot of ways because there's the the detachment to the whole process as one, but also that understanding and awareness that you have yourself to come back to, like you are whole as a person. That is not something that people just understand like that. It's, it takes a lot of work um, and continuous like reminding to yourself before you can like actually realize that. Um, and I struggle with that as well. And I have to keep having that conversation with myself. Like, and as soon as I regain that awareness, that, that power and the, the pain immediately evaporates. So it's it's a very strange thing, but like it's hard to explain to people if they've not gone through the process to like try to understand themselves and to see that, you know, that's that's where your suffering is coming from. And I would think that that's part of the the challenge of dating, I guess, for me at least in, in, in this day and age. <laughs> Beautiful openness as well in that vulnerability. It is saying, am I doing this because I need love to feel whole? Am I doing this because I feel incomplete without a relationship? Or am I doing this because I feel whole and I want to be part of a journey with somebody else? I want to experience this beautiful life in this world with somebody. And as we get into that mindset of saying, I am already whole and I want to experience this beautiful world with a partner, then we bring a whole new level of energy to it, as opposed to saying something's missing from my life something's not there I need love to be happy that brings in a almost a desperation I need love to be happy in this relationship it just lowers the tone of getting into that relationship and then you'll find somebody at that similar vibe and energy around it and it's about saying am I whole am I feeling good am I loving myself am I loving every moment of who I am and really setting yourself up to love yourself so much. Everyone says about loving yourself is a key. And I really struggled again with that. I question a lot of things. I struggled so much with it. Because I was saying, how does loving yourself create love? you got to be crazy. But when you actually love the person that you are, you accept that you have your faults. You love the way you show up to the world and the habits that you create in the world. And you take that personal choice of this is who I am. I act in this way because I want to. I love the way that I connect and smile and compliment other people and spread joy around me. You feel that love all around you. I love that little bit of my stomach that's hanging out a little bit. It doesn't matter. I love it. We find that partner that may have that little bit of stomach hanging out as well or another floor somewhere else. But because we love ourselves so much, we love that part about them. We love who they are. And also, when we love ourselves in that element, 
when somebody tells us that they love us, we don't feel like, ah, I needed to hear that. I needed that. Thank you. Instead, we're like, thank you. I know I'm a loving person. I know I'm a loving being. And I'm glad that you can see it because I love you too. And that's the way that we can accept love and receive love. It's first by loving the way we are, the way we act, the habits we have, the behaviors we do, and accepting the other parts that sometimes show up and then giving that love out. So my one one final tip to close off as well is if we are actually struggling to experience love in the world and you're suffering in any way, the Heart and Math Institute showed that when we're thinking negative thoughts, we actually cause more dis-ease within our body. And this disease can be translated all over. It could be within ourselves. It can harm us. However, when we start sending more loving thoughts, words, compliments, and actions to others, this love starts stemming from our heart and goes out to ourselves and actually starts improving our wellness and our ability. And most importantly, there's a law around this. It's a law of reciprocation. What we give is what we get back. If you're struggling to feel love in your life or any part of your life, I challenge you to give love to one person every single day. A text, kind words, a smile, a compliment, a tip, anything you want, a knowledge share. You give love and trust me, you'll receive it in tenfolds. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Using the word love. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I, I I can attest to it to some extent for me. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for that, Sunny. Um, and as, as we, we do uh, on our show, we always conclude before wrapping up uh, with our rapid fire round of questions to kind of get to know you a bit better and for the audience to know you better. Um, so I'll kick it off by by asking you the first one. So what's one thing you would like to detach from? Oh, coffee. Definitely coffee. I, <laughs> love, I would love to detach from coffee, but I enjoy it too much. <laughs> um, That's a good one. And name a pivotal moment or share with us a pivotal moment which shaped your understanding of what health means to you. Well, there was a moment in my life and... I was suffering with an underactive thyroid. I was under a lot of stress, a lot of illnesses. And I was taking these tablets to help manage the underactive thyroid. I was actually falling asleep on the motorway mm. driving. I'll go into the size. Oh. I was such a bad state inside. And I was trying these tablets. It wasn't really working. So I was a bit of a cheeky lad. I doubled the dose, Ooh. not knowing that it could cause a minor stroke. And... It was about three weeks later, I'd been out with my friends, got back to my partner's house and half of my face stopped working actually. Oh my like, God. Um, I would smile, but their face would be drawn down. Oh, and I was like, so confused. I was about a 26 year old man at the point. And I'm like, this can't be happening. But in my mind, all these thoughts are rushing in that you're having a story. I'm like, but I'm trying to trick my mind. No, 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 I can't be. It's impossible. It's impossible. How can I have this? All these thoughts come out, nausea, everything. I didn't know what to do. I was so panicked, so confused. I told my wife. My wife started laughing, like, come on, you're you're a young guy. This can't be happening. This is impossible. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is what's happening to me. I went to the hospital. I forgot my own name. It was so oh, wow. bad. Um, she asked me. I thought it was a trick question. I thought, what, what is she tricking me with? And at that point there, I decided to stop pharmaceutical drugs because I thankfully recovered after like six, seven hours. And they said, yeah, it was a minor straight that you had there. 
And then after that, oh. they were said, continue with these tablets. And I said, so I said, no, thank you. I chose healthier juices. I chose a healthier lifestyle, have more living foods and to actually reduce all that stress. Because at that point, I didn't know what to do. I was thinking about it in the hospital. Is that I'd have to pretend to my partner that I'm going to go travel because I wouldn't mm. want her to be with me for the rest of my life. And that kind of decisions stung me so deep right. that I had to make a change within my life and become more healthier. Wow. That I think if that's a story that people need to 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 hear uh, to to make changes, I think that would be the one. Uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate we need to hit, you know, these type of lows yeah. to be able to make shifts. But sometimes that's what it takes uh, for yes. for us to make changes. And I guess that's maybe for us proactively, we can maybe not have to wait till things like that happen and that's the base i mean that's the premise of this this show is to be preventive with our health and so um thanks for for sharing that and our last question is what is your go-to tool like what is the tool that you would use when you are experiencing your most challenging day well i have something called a king and queen habits i share this with you because this is actually one of the most powerful things for my clients as well as myself in my life Mm-hmm. And I will go to my king and queen habits. So whenever I'm feeling low, I have a list of these things that really step me back into my power, into my higher self. Like a very simple tools, drinking two liters of water a day is a king habit, right? Eating healthy is a king habit. Going to the gym is a king habit. And focusing on my mindset, reading for reading 10 pages a day is a king habit. So then whenever I am feeling low, I go back to my list and go, which one am I not doing? meditating for 15 minutes a day so these are all my king habits and when I become conscious of it it helps me when I'm in going through them lower days when I'm going through them days where I just can't be bothered to do anything and I don't feel like my king so I encourage everyone actually make a list of the king and queen habits which really get you into your best state and as I have my habit list of drinking water going to the gym working out giving compliments reading learning developing and just focusing on work right because I love what I do I love helping people so focusing on that area of work making change in the world and giving back to charity I have these habits I I could just pick up any of them and I just do them and it gets me back into the right state I look at my beliefs and I affirm them one of my biggest ones I, I am love and I become that magnet of love when I'm out of these and I'm having one of them bad days, I could tell I'm not doing these habits. So I'm eating too much chocolate, I'm having Coke, um, <laughs> watching too much Netflix, I'm doing the wrong things. <laughs> During that process, I have to flip back in. I say, okay, let me get back into my king habits. And then I match that identity and I come back into who I am. I really like that. I'm going to go back and do this after that. <laughs> my queen <laughs> yeah. habits. Exactly. That's a great way to, to, Mm -hmm. yeah, to, to end our conversation today, actually, to all have a king and queen habits. Um, (laughs) Make it easy as well. Make it have a couple of things that you already do very easily. Some of the things that push you and then you match up with that queen identity and then guess who will come into your life? Beautiful king. 
Yeah, love it. <laughs> well, Sunny, this has been a really fun and insightful conversation. Is there anything you want to share with our audience about anything that's coming up? Yes, of course. So we touched on it a little bit before. I'm running the world's largest Indian singles festival. It's going to actually be amazing. And the reason why it's going to be so amazing is because we're going to have free transformational speakers there that are going to help you with your mindset. We're going to have different areas for entertainment, for joy, for excitement. We're going to have artists, DJs and performers coming, as well as separate areas for speed dating, a breathing space, a games room. And this is all in order for you to not just go there to meet the right partner, not to put that feeling of, oh, I need to find love to be happy, for you to actually go and enjoy yourself first. And then in that midst of enjoyment, in the midst of loving your time there and having a good time, then you meet somebody that aligns with you. And this is where a lot of success comes in. So this first one is going to be in February, February 4th in London. And we'll be going to New York in March and Mumbai in May. Oh, I didn't know I that. I didn't know that either. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good evening. You can fly the New York one. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's all, about, it's all about demographics. Like, it's where do you want to be and uh, who do you want to attract? So definitely, um, you might see me in the London one. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I'll be excited to have you there. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me on. Like, what you two are doing is such an amazing thing to help people's health and really taking your time to educate and inform people to live a better life. So thank you. Thanks, Sunny. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. Till then, stay well.